we are actually work in progress, each one of us. So if we shift our mind, mind you know, from competition with others to us, because as you said, you know, we are also unique. Think how taking short mental breaks from that, how, how that can actually be much more sustainable in the long run. And wherein you are not in that, uh, you know, need to, I want to run away from the situation. Biopatrika, your very own online science communication platform brings science closer to you in many ways. Today, SciConnect by Biopatrika welcomes all science enthusiasts to our podcast on productivity and mental health. I, Pragya Gupta, my co-host Nikhil Kumar Tulsyan and Swanti Gupta have been given the opportunity to speak to a science enthusiast about how to keep sailing in the vast academic ocean, choose your career path, and simultaneously keep a healthy and productive lifestyle. Please welcome Ms. Lakshmi Ramachandran. Dr. Lakshmi Ramachandran is currently Learning and Development Specialist at National University of Singapore. In this role, she mentors consults and conducts workshops for students and shape them as future ready graduates. She had pursued her PhD and started her career as a molecular biologist, but her experiences transformed her into an amazing life coach seeking answers to the meaning of life. Dr. Lakshmi speaks as drlakshmispeaks.com and has been a panelist in various career development sessions. So let's begin our podcast, Dr. Lakshmi, on mental health and as a life coach you did a phd and then as a research and now you're a life coach the switch from research to learning and development specialist may must have been come with multiple ups and downs from a researcher's perspective how was the transition of your journey first of all thank you nikhil thank you pragya Swanti, for this uh, great opportunity to speak to psychonet very very happy uh, to be here especially as a science enthusiast, just like you all, and to share a little bit about uh, you know, career, professional development, and coaching. So as you said, yes, it's been a very interesting journey so far. I've moved through, literally meandered through uh, different career paths, experimented various things, and have now come to uh, a stage wherein I help people figure out their career path. Especially, especially people within science. So for me, it all started actually very long ago. I mean, two decades ago. When I embarked on my PhD journey um, to pursue a doctorate in cell and molecular biology from the State University of New York at Buffalo. So um, I specifically worked at the cancer center there, Roswell Park Cancer Center. Uh, so obviously I had this great motivation to be a cancer researcher. Uh, so when I joined, I was working on DNA replication and the DNA replication protein. So it was, I was like very, very oriented towards science and was so, so inclined to get my PhD and step out into the world of drug discovery research. So it all went beautifully. Um, so I just want to highlight that I went in 2001 at a time when there were no cell phones or credit cards and also completely different world, you know, the digital world that we are in. So it was truly in every sense an exploration. While I was doing my PhD and although I got my PhD uh, with a Dean's award and everything, 
I realized that uh, doing academic research may not be my thing. That was my first, my first self-realization of where my life may be heading to. And at that time, I then uh, understood that I wanted to be at that point of research wherein I can see my discoveries translate into something that people are able to immediately use, like drugs, you know, like medicines to meet unmet medical needs. So that uh, made me want to explore and move into industry. And that was the first career transition that I made. I know that even today, uh, moving from academia to industry is, is something that many people are seeking to explore. And from my own experience, I know it, it wasn't a very easy transition to make. But few things that I have learned and how I managed to do was to, and it's, it's, it's that one key thing, you know, that is important for any career transition, which is, it's not about uh, so much about you. It is really about what the industry is looking for. What are they needing? And how can you fit to help them meet their needs? it always ultimately boils down to that. So even though mine was a pure basic research, DNA replication and all, ultimately I had to kind of think of ways in which I could address that need. So that happens by really going through a reflection of whatever we have done technology-wise, uh, technique-wise, skills-wise, uh, what are the things, and then listening to see if we can actually add to that company in some way through this. If not, what is the additional thing that I need to learn to move in? So after doing a few of these things and really tapping very strongly into whatever network, you know, quite shamelessly, actually, you know, like, could you, yeah. I don't, you know, it's not about a job. You give me an opportunity to just come and speak. That, to that extent, I think persistence helped me land that job. You know, of course, um, I'm very grateful to those contacts who helped me get there. So I worked with AstraZeneca. And then it was like two lovely years, really loving my job and everything. I, I really, it was, a, it was exactly what I wanted at that point in time. Um, and then, but what happened was I had a personal challenge related to family because of which I made the conscious decision after a couple of years to step out of the uh, job and to focus on my personal life. So this experience I share all the time because especially with young people on one hand, while it is easy, while it is a very important thing to plan your life and have proper goal setting and everything, it is very, very important. At the same time, one has to be prepared for setbacks in life. You know, this is where life teaches you resilience. And I think COVID-19 pandemic has been the, I mean, the biggest example, isn't it? Yeah. So I took that uh, I took that career break, focused on my family life. But that's also the time that I actually found another side of me, which is um, writing. Writing. So I co-wrote and published a book called Rumi's Foodies, mm-hmm. uh, which which went on to uh, get the um, best digital book of the second you know runner-up award in India through Publishing Next. Congratulations. Thank you. <laughs> I wrote it with my uh, another friend of mine again from science and who was my roommate, Meghna, Meghna Joshi. So this was how what I did during that career break uh, without any expectations, but just like focusing on a passion, a calling and just did it. After the career break, I mean, after the career break and achieving my personal goal, 
um i i that was a time after which i moved to singapore when my husband got a job here uh, in singapore and uh, actually it was writing that book that led me to my next job in science so i i got a job in science communications uh, wherein they during the interview the the it was clearly writing that book during the break was what i could use to demonstrate that i can write <laughs> i can write and then my scientific background helped me piece the two together to get a job into science community so through this story what i hope to share with people listening is that everything in life you know happens for a reason and there is nothing in life that you do that goes waste wasted definitely lakshmi <laughs> so, uh, like yeah. you mentioned that you have done lot of changes in in your career like you have shifted uh, mm. your career paths various times and yeah. i think it in it requires a lot of courage to do that yeah definitely and uh, since you mentioned the point that um, when you are applying or transitioning into industry you need to address the key criteria what the industry needs so mm-hmm. can can you like uh, explain a little bit that what those criteria are and how the phd's qualify for it because we mm-hmm. don't know that what skills we are developing like we are dedicated we have to meet deadlines and um, we have to be organized we plan everything beforehand mm. like before doing an experiment so how those skills fit into that industry criteria yeah so one of the things i can say from that industry transition i made to learning and development uh, and this is i think probably phd knows no no it but the 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 strength of it is you know it is having the analytical and critical thinking ability that the phd yeah. imparts and it it's, it's amazing you know in each of my career transitions it has been so valuable and even in learning and development wherein it is professional development it may seem like it may seem like where is your research coming but uh, the research is really the strength because you are really helping people professionally develop not just you know on like uh, stuff that is very fluffy right we want to really develop these things also based on solid what is what is their evidence based solid research that is supportive of people's growth so this mindset this analytical and problem solving and critical thinking mindset is something which really i think a um, person pursuing phd must be proud of and that is a real asset a real transferable skill yeah. so industry needs right so that depends on which industry uh, one is applying to and the key thing to do is to really do a lot of research about that particular industry about that company about the company culture about the people in the company and linkedin platform like linkedin and all provides ample opportunity for people to really really tap into these platforms and learn more once you learn more that is when you will start really understanding whether this is really something you want to pursue in the future once you are clear that yes this is something really you know my cup of tea this is what i want to do that is when you start really digging deep to understand uh, what are the uh, what is really you know needs in the sense it can be different types of needs right so um, when you start speaking with people in the industry you will know uh, like if i take back to my industry experience they were looking to establish a fax facility so yeah. the so at that time i had the technical know how of doing flow cytometry 
and all that. So that was one thing that you know, in a technical way I could contribute. So the 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 uh, this particular R and D facility, their research was focused on tuberculosis. It was very different from what I was already doing in my basic research, which was DNA replication and cancer related. So that alignment was not there. But common threats for molecular biology uh, and my ability to do many of these, like you know, at that time microarrays and uh, you know, I'm talking about years back now, huh? microarrays and flow cytometry, they were all like really. Uh, yeah, people were looking out for people with expertise in those technologies and all that. So even things like that, techniques and technologies is something maybe then that you can bring in to a new place. You can highlight. So sometimes if you get the opportunity to present or give a speech, you can also think about creative and innovative ways in which the company can tap into these to develop better. Transferable skills are definitely mm-hmm. very important. So yes, we are yes. like when I joined masters, I had a different set of skill set. Mm. Then when I joined PhD, I had a different set of skill set. Now after being a postdoc, uh, I have understood what skills are needed, what are transferable skills, what are soft skills. Then uh, it is de- it's definitely stage dependent. Very much. These all strategies were very helpful. But when we are actually starting or joining a MSc PhD program of mm-hmm. a researcher who has completed or at the verge of completing their PhD, so what could be a very important advice that you thought you, if you had got it, it would have helped you a lot? So one of the things which I really felt at that time, it was really not about technical skills at all. It was really about the network. Uh, so even when I had opportunities of going to conferences and all that, I, I used to be quite shy. Even when I had opportunities to really network and speak to people from uh, different industries, I would be very shy because I didn't know how to really initiate a conversation. So that is something I regret because when when doing PhD, what happens is that there is this thing of, you know, like you just like so focused on your work and your field, you want to like gain, um, what to say, recognition within that field. You want, that's what happens when you're doing a PhD, but it's beyond. It's actually the fact is that you have to be able to become vis- visible beyond your PhD field and network. Because ultimately when you're looking for a transition, that's what really helps gain that uh, visibility and the network that will help you land a job, you know. So that is what I would, um, I didn't do much of investing in networking and building relationships. But now I would say that's a very, very important part. Very important. Yeah. Yeah. Like networking is very important, as you said, but uh, as a PhD student, um, sometimes uh, it's very hard to uh, just step up and go and talk to somebody which you, who, whom you want to talk to. Mm-hmm. And uh, this can be as a result of many things. Maybe you're underconfident. Maybe you have a feeling like you're not good enough, like we mm-hmm. term imposter syndrome. Mm-hmm. So uh, you always question yourselves that, am I good enough to be able to talk to that person? It doesn't matter mm-hmm. that if that person is a senior position or your colleague or anything. So... Uh, Do you have any suggestions or the methods to tackle that imposter syndrome? Yeah. 
So definitely, yes. You know, this is a topic which myself and my uh, friend and peer coach Anupama Murali. So this is something which we have been actually working on since we embarked on our journey as coaches, especially within the science, including myself, gone through the situation of you know, despite having so many achievements, you still feel not enough, not enough. Maybe I need to get that extra credential, or maybe I need to publish this one more paper to be able to speak about this. You know, who yeah. am I? Yeah, to go and to this big shot here. So all these questions are actually very crippling thoughts that affect a person's progression in reality. Um, and I realized this much more when I got out of the science field and started networking with business professionals outside of my field. And what I realized is that they, when there is, they, they don't hesitate to really speak about a small piece of knowledge or a good, you know, piece of information from the perspective of sharing. Whereas for PhDs within the science community, I mean, even if you know something, you can, you are not confident enough to put it out without like some three, four references supporting it, right? We have, we have yeah. to reference every every line that we speak, and we have to make sure that it is so. It is so true. It's validated. Yeah. It is validated. We, we actually see validation from everybody around us. Uh, that Except self. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Sometimes, like, if you start comparing when you are, like, at the end stage of a very critical period of your research. Then you start comparing your work or your achievements with your colleagues. And, uh, hmm. like, everybody in a different is in a different boat. And everybody has a different situation. Maybe the other person is having one part good, but the other part is going bad, which are not able to know. But you only mm. focus that oh, others are achieving a lot and are not doing enough. Yeah, that really like pulls you down. Yeah. So one of the first things to re remember is to change that thought, right? Because here in this in this uh, whole situation, all we are actually attempting to do is to become the best version of ourselves. So in real sense, we are only in competition with ourselves because we, each of yeah. us, we have the potential. We have the potential to really, you know, get to that best version because we are in a, we are actually work in progress, each one of us. So if we shift our mind, mind, you know, from competition with others to us, because as you said, you know, we are also unique. Mm -hmm. That is the key thing. We are also unique in different phases, unique phases of our life. So that comparison it will never be fair with anybody else. That is one thing. So it is always a comparison with yourself as to, okay, fine, you know, um, this is what I'm doing now. Is there anything more that I can do? Is there a better way that I can do this? Is there a better way yeah. that I can make myself more visible? And feeling feeling that that, that thing, uh, so in enoughness also, let me talk a little bit about enoughness which is the concept we are trying to bring as an opposite, as an antidote to imposter syndrome. So in, in imposter syndrome imply, implies the state of inadequacy, never feeling good enough. Whereas um, enoughness is like, I'm good enough. It's a, it's a state of adequacy, just the opposite. Okay. So one of the most important things that we, uh, we, we tell people is, you know, surprisingly, it's actually self-compassion. Yeah. It is, yeah, self-compassion that is like giving oneself that onus of credit for whatever you've achieved so far. Hmm? Okay. And number two coming that is a very important thing is to own what you know. That is, 
uh, when we when we like really look at uh, what we know and what others know, what happens is that it it seems like this. What we know is only this much, and what others know is like a bigger bubble around. My God, I know only so much, and these other people know so much. But the reality that we actually get, you know, uh, challenge people to think about is we know this much. Other people may know this much, this much, this much, right? So it's not necessary for us to know what everybody else knows. But the bigger bubble really is what is out there in the world. There is so much to know and learn, right? And which is perfectly the way. So it is like shifting our mindset from an inadequate mindset to a growth and learning mindset. You know, so even today you feel like, oh my God, there is just so much to learn. I want to learn. Is a much better way to approach rather than thinking that I know only so much. There's still so much more. Others seem to know more than me. We don't need to know so much about what others know. It's about what we know. Own it. Yes, I know this. And uh, to overcome imposter syndrome, good ways to share that knowledge with others. So, uh, as we were speaking on enoughness. as you mentioned a phd student or a researcher knows a little bit or is an expert in his or her domain and there are multiple other phd student who are experts in their own fields and domains so the enoughness of being or knowing in their field may not be always uh, acceptable by every student and as you mentioned there is many things out there there is a bigger bubble mm-hmm. but I, this can also play in a reverse ways like for many students like if others are good at something else let me be good at what i am and so mm. they continue doing the same thing and become mm. an expert in one field mm. Mm. but they don't realize that they are for their progression they lose hobbies or interest in other things now is a time for a latitudinal thinking Mm-hmm. and a wider thinking rather than a, a longitudinal thinking of okay i know thing x i will uh, know everything about thing x but that will not work yeah. so for this tunnel vision kind of uh, thing uh, as a life coach i'm sure many people may have asked you such questions so dr lakshmi how how can one come out of it hmm yeah it's a very very valid point and a very important point today more than any other times right so there is this concept called polymath now okay. you know emerging polymath so being a polymath versus being a specialist so polymath is you know one that actually embraces many different skills one who has a, a you know growth mindset and learning mindset versus a specialist specialist who goes deep down uh, in okay. their you know field and knows nothing but their field so in the past the specialist thing was very important very very important because you needed to really gain that in in depth knowledge uh in order to be seen in your industry as an expert today what has happened is that if you only be a specialist you may be you may be limited by uh, the choices that you can make simply because our world has become very um very dynamic very vuka vuka yeah. is the the acronym you know for uh, volatile uncertain ambiguous um complex and ambiguous so volatile uh, uncertain uh, complex and ambiguous vuka so that's the uh, our world that is how our world has been described in the last few years and it has become even more so since the pandemic so what happens is that if you see if you just look at the aviation industry people who were specialists there suddenly lost jobs right so 
things like that can happen um, in life in a very unpredictable manner. So how do you address those? So which is why the points, Nikhil, that you mentioned about not being too narrow, not letting go of all your hobbies and everything um, becomes important. Yeah. Yeah. And how do you do that is simply simply by uh, finding the, taking that a priority, not even about like, you know, um, thinking that, okay, maybe I can do it. It's really about making that a priority. For example, uh, you are all doing this initiative, PsychConnect. And as what Swanti mentioned, there is a lot of learning, additional learning that is coming through this, right? You're learning how to organize these kind of things, doing podcasts, interviewing people, uh, building new connections through this. Like we are meeting for the first time. It's, it's a way of uh, making new connections, right? You're yeah. making an impact by sharing this knowledge that is being discussed. You're, trying, you're creating an impact to the society. So this is a, also an example of how uh, one can move out of their comfort zone which is like that, that in a way it is a comfort zone of, you know, just your PhD, very narrow, uh, just so focused on your work. Um, so it is important to expand and identify what brings you a little bit of joy and fulfillment beyond your, your work. Yes, absolutely uh, true, Lakshmi. Fulfillment is definitely required. We never know what is going to happen when good to do what you are you are good at but also you need to know other things as well not ha- not lose hobbies and interests as psychonic being an initiative we are doing our own uh, research but also we have love for science journalism and that's why we have, have this podcast here yeah it's it's really amazing you know and uh, one thing that i uh, would highlight is still the fact that you when your your primary thing definitely gain that expertise uh, by being polymath, it doesn't mean that you're not, you know, you're just being very superficial. Okay. Definitely need to go in-depth. That science. So science is the thing, right? Wherein you're going, that that becomes your in-depth thing. Okay? So it's like you can broadly put it as science. And then everything else that you learn is an acquisition of skills, which is at par with where, where the world is going. As a researcher or a PhD student, sometimes we are so much invested in the experiments of work that they, we just tend to forget other stuff in our life, which actually mm. helps us to keep sane. And mm. uh, we disconnect from our family, friends, lose hobbies, like throughout the way. And uh, we just want to finish, meet that deadline and everything. And this brings a lot of stress and depression. And we know that depression is like incidence of depression is increasing in the graduate researchers and anybody in the academia per se. Like sometimes it's difficult to understand that you are undergoing stress or depression Mm. and you can't just catch that sign that you need a little break from your work or you Mm. need to address your mental health as well. Like when we fall sick, we go to the doctor. So Mm. when we are mentally ill, we should also look after ourselves as well and uh, like pamper yourself or just keep a little bit break to yourself so um what are the signs uh you can you can spot that okay this person could be going through a mental sense or how to self-assess that um i'm like i'm not mentally uh, fit right now mm. the, that part probably um i will leave it to uh, you know an expert a mental health expert regarding the science the science actually but what I can share a little bit about is, you know, how to really not get get there, like to really uh, 
so this is where you know even with productivity uh, i this is something which i have been trying to speak and it very 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 important for phd students as well See, on one hand right so what is productivity productivity is uh, ultimately an, actually an industrial concept right that is that actually measures output versus the time and resources that one has put in so it has also come into uh, an individual's life wherein productivity is number of things done and for a phd student it could be like you know the experiments when things are not working keeping up the motivation going back to the lab get going again and then all those things associated with you know whether you get a paper or not uh, getting it published going through the review process there are so many different angles to the life of a phd student so uh, what i would actually uh, highly recommend that people do is to uh, not only measure productivity as a measure of things done that is look okay, i've done all these things to really take the time to reflect on how fulfilling your day to day activities are for you mm -hmm. so for example in different spheres of life if you choose one is your a uh, professional life which is the phd for phd students or master students then there is the uh, personal life who you are what you do the people around you um, you know whether you have family or not there is you are still you know you have a personal life then there is the social life you have your friends and you have your travel entertainment all those other things that uh, feature and there is also one more realm where is like people finding purpose and meaning like in your thing you are doing this also for the purpose and meaning right there is some kind of a meaning uh, to you know that you're deriving from what you're doing so these are all important um, spheres in an individual's life and each one deserves its own attention so when only one when one focuses when there is so much of focus on one thing there will be an imbalance in the rest of the things mm -hmm. and it may not be possible to tick boxes for everything for sure so the key thing is to actually like sit back and take some time for reflection reflection is you know that i i always highly recommend self care is not just about like going and you know going to a spa or you know just going and taking a break it's also taking a mental break uh, and in it from everything else to reflect on what has been your journey and what are your life's priorities like for example as a mom I, i'm a, i have two uh, young boys you know like uh, age 10 and 7 years so there was a time when i used to like really think that oh my god i have to do all the things by myself for them to cook for them i have to do this i have to read bedtime stories uh, to them but then it is not practically possible as a human being who has got other things also to do yeah. so then for me it was really to see what is the what is really the key thing that i want to do for my children and what do they want what do they really want from me so when i asked them it's not my cooking it's not anything they just want my time when i'm with them they just want my time that's it that's very simple so so then i prioritize that whatever i could delegate i delegated uh, you know where i where i don't need to put in so this, you know so this was key for me to overcome a lot of things as like things like women face working mothers guilt those kind of things right so i'm just sharing an example even um, uh, you know at this phase in my life so similarly prioritize what is most important in different phases of your life um so for some people if it is having a conversation with your parents or a friend that is an important thing for you make time for that prioritize that if uh, going to the gym or going doing exercise going for a walk if that is an important thing for you that fulfills you and gives you energy 
to mm-hmm. prioritize that no compromise and don't that be about it don't feel guilty about it yeah because we yeah. researchers uh, feel guilty about it they spend uh, like one minute out of the lab so <laughs> they don't yeah. like yeah so the key is to prioritize uh, your family your friends and other stuff out the, the life outside the lab and yes. uh, yeah so that's the key that you need to prioritize and coming yeah. um, like you mentioned that it was um, like you were juggling between various roles uh like a mother and a wife and a career or life coach and a researcher as well um uh, it it becomes when the age factor kicks in like phd goes on for quite long and yeah. if in academia um you do the same stuff or the like for a long period of time yeah. and uh doing that it's sometimes very overwhelming that you feel that you have to do a lot of stuff like you have to cook you have to take care of your family and being as a woman it sometimes becomes like your priority or it's an instinct from within i can say mm. yeah uh, yeah yeah so it is important to gain awareness on that like in the fact that you don't need in, uh, the guilt right yeah. so guilt is a very very negative emotion that can really uh, i mean it it it, it is the, just the opposite of being fulfilled so which is why it is important to bring in that human element right of you know giving that self compassion of yeah you're doing all this you know if it's good enough what i'm doing is good enough so prioritize like a few things in different spheres not just in one and then make sure that you attend to it because that is feeding your soul which is important to give you the energy yeah to move on right we are not like the machines just ticking boxes of okay i've done this i've done this i've done this no that that actually brings burnout that actually brings uh, you know you, i mean like i've seen even seen people who flog so much and they get what they want and they don't, they don't even have the energy to celebrate that achievement it uh, causes an adverse effect on the relationships and personal uh, life as well like the things get sour between maybe your spouse or your family or your siblings and uh, like it's important to not get to that point and realize before that you have to prioritize other things as well yeah keeping Absolutely. being mentally healthy or not being ill is definitely important for uh, productivity in different aspects be it personally or professionally yes yes Do very much think that uh, expect, we are expecting much out of ourselves and we are not able to deliver it so is this reason of uh, stress and uh, do you think that like people are not uh, very free to talk about what they are going through so mm, they yeah. need the help of books and these things so do self help books actually help what would be your yeah. advice on that mm, yeah very good very good question actually swanthi because uh, most people are not comfortable sharing their personal especially when they are going through a tough time so even social media if you really look at it um, if you see most of the time it's like about uh it's all about like the the you know the rosy pictures right and they decided that and uh, what happens is that it helps portray only the you know whatever which is not a very realistic uh, situation in most people's lives and even when someone puts up something people do not know how to react or respond to that right i mean there is no so uh, we, are, we are in moving into a world wherein people are suffering people are going through these uh, struggles so people are seeking help uh so definitely i mean going through self help books or something like that will help 
keep that motivation or you know maybe uh, give definitely there is no there is the uh, it's it's only a positive thing going through self help books and all that but the question is re- really about sustainability how sustainable is the change that uh, it will bring in because we are all individuals and um, you know with certain we have certain habits we have certain um, way of doing things and the most important thing is to really create that uh, sustainable shift in our patterns and our habits and even with thoughts right to impose our thoughts too like i mean just by getting awareness on it uh, and just by uh, knowing that these are all you know thoughts that are affecting me it sometimes individuals struggle to move beyond that so so that to make those things sustainable there is also consistent you know practice required uh, consistent support required for such people so um so that is what i i think is is the is the key thing but for everybody reading the help self help book is a first step for sure so do you think that this uh, social media and then mobile scrolling is it does it cause pressure to that person and they deviate because as mm-hmm. you said that it's not reality but it mm. puts pressure on you that you have to achieve this and you have to like match with your colleagues or your seniors so so social media is very powerful right it's a, it's a very powerful tool so how that power is being is affecting one person is really dependent on uh, how that person is letting that social media or anything affect him or her right so on one hand you can use social media to uh, especially linkedin linkedin is a platform that i always recommend that people do use for visibility for gaining strong network and everything but at the same time you need to be able to use it in a way that benefits you right and not not letting it take control of you in a different way so few things you know in terms of again like productivity and healthy or you know hygiene or uh, like digital hygiene is to really become aware of the temptations to uh, you know to the scrolling or whatever at a time when you you can be focused so um even the those phones also come up with tools right you know like for focus focus mode yeah. where you can't yeah i mean if there is anything useful about that fine you know just have just try that out and then and one of the key things i really feel is not taking the phone the smartphone the very first thing in the morning the the you know <laughs> because there is no, it's a reward system there, yeah yeah it's a reward system right your dopamine it's like if you get that uh, kick out of you know just checking the messages and seeing if there is something new that is a that is an inherent thing for humans to like seek something some new information so we are able to resist that and start your day at least for the first one hour without touching the phone but doing other important things like going through your routine and things like that that is a big step and then having really times assigned to social media check wherein you use linkedin very strategically for uh, your visibility you expanding your network job searches and all that then it becomes much more much and then it becomes very powerful very very powerful and keeping keeping in mind the fact that uh, everybody is doing in a different phase of their life i am in a different phase of my life what i am striving to do here is to become my best self that is the thing but with self compassion there is no pressure that needn't be any pressure and set very high standards and expectations that you're not able to meet then you feel guilty then you again go down that you know thing of like ah i'm not good enough i can't do that 
Yeah, since we're talking about social media now, we see a lot of people coming forward and uh, helping others. And there are few dedicated days like Are You Okay Day or mm-hmm. other days and Speak Up. And when somebody is going through some mental stress, it's very hard for them to speak up on a specific day. So do you think these days or celebrating these uh, um, kind of situations is uh, relevant? Mm-hmm. Does it make any sense? I mean, we are in a very advanced and uh, technology-freak uh, like generation is going on, and uh, yeah, like yeah. so, so many people talk about it, but they don't know the depths of the definition, what it is actually mental. Mm. What is it? So, is it relevant? To me, if you ask me, it is not uh, really. I'm not a big fan of uh, having a specific day or a specific hashtag for everything. Yeah. I just feel that it has to be a part of our day-to-day things. It's not like you have one day, one Mother's Day, and then you forget your mother for the rest of the you know year. So similarly, yeah, similarly, whether it is mental health or speaking up, it has to be, um, it has to be part and parcel of what we do uh, every, every time, every day. And I, I also believe on, I believe this fact that, you know, uh, how, what, what I'm really, it's, it's really an exploration that I'm doing. I wouldn't call myself an expert or anything yet. But what I'm exploring now is to really see how, how you know, taking um, breaks, even on a day-to-day basis from what really ties us up, right? Like work, uh, social media, and all those things. How taking short mental breaks from that how how that can actually be much more sustainable in the long run and wherein you're not in that uh, you know need to i want to run away from the situation that's not how we want to live our life right we want uh, to live our life yeah sorry i've come up with a very uh, useful technique called mindfulness um hmm. so where you have to like if you're stressing out too much and you can't relax you just have to take a little short break and focus on the things around you like some yes. sound which you can hear, some things which you can uh, see. So these things like calms you down and then bring back to you to a normal state. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's a, yeah. Yes, me too. I, I follow, a, I'm sure you must have heard the Pomodoro method. Ah, like yes. you do 20 minutes of uh, work and then take a few minutes out. And then after five or six sessions of 20 minutes, you take a longer break. So actually that has helped me keep, be more productive. Yeah. Yeah. It is a very, very useful and very simple and very yeah. good, te- uh, very good. Uh, it's, it's uh, work. It's possible to work it out because of the lesser demand, you know, it's yes. like 25 minutes, then you take a break. It's yeah. very good. I'm happy to hear you're, you know, doing that. Yeah. So we've spoken to Dr. Lakshmi and I personally have learned a lot today. It must be odd to be on social media and tell not to follow social media. It is actually like for the last 40 minutes or so, I would have been doing the doom scrolling part, Facebook, LinkedIn, this, that. But instead, of, instead I was talking to a life coach who spoken to different things, VUCA, enoughness, productivity, and then uh, the polymath method. Compassion. Yes, Swati. Thank you, Dr. Lakshmi. Listening to this, our audience will definitely have a lot of uh, questions related to various things. May they contact you on your LinkedIn page or to on your website itself? Absolutely. Whichever whichever uh, they prefer, happy to address any questions. Thank you so very much, Lakshmi. And thank you for telling us that taking break and 
not feeling guilty about taking break is actually allowed. And we'll have Lakshmi's email address and um, LinkedIn handle details linked to this podcast for all our listeners. To our listeners, please do share your feedback with us on biopatrika.in at gmail.com. Now we take your leave and hope you will tune in again for our next interview very soon. Thank you.